Random's Thoughts can now be found on iTunes. So please go try to find us there. And if you wouldn't mind giving us a good review, we would be very much grateful. Hey, husband. Yes, wife. Why don't cannibals eat clowns? Wife. Because they taste funny. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Random's Thoughts, episode 13. Yep, that was why I did the creepy clown joke, because of the creepy clown movie, and it's the 13th episode, and it's almost October. Man, you are just trying so hard with this, aren't you? I really am. Wow. Okay, wife. So, we're back again to talk about the WoW TCG. This time, we have a few different things that we want to go over, and we're actually going to start off again with some housekeeping things, because we wanted to give a shout-out to Justin, who emailed us after our last episode. Yes, so Justin emailed us in regards to our Broderick debate. If you don't remember what that was, or if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, we were debating on whether or not Broderick ought to be banned. I came down with a very firm no. Husband was on the yes side. Well, really just for argument's sake as opposed to actual belief. Exactly. Uh, we ended up, at the end of it, coming to the conclusion we don't think Broderick could be banned. But Justin had suggested an idea that actually came up a number of times in a number of places, actually, and across a number of games, not just the WoW TCG, and that's the idea of restricting cards. By that we mean, if you're familiar with Vintage or Type 1 in Magic, or there are a number of, number of Final Fantasy games, LCGs, that run this, and I'm sure other games, Yu-Gi-Oh! comes to mind, that when you restrict a card, similar to Hearthstone's legendary rule, where you can only have one in a deck, you can only have one card in a deck. Now, I think this particular topic warrants a larger discussion, and since the email had, when the email had come in, we were already prepping some other things to go over for this episode, so we're going to table it for another one, but we do want to focus on it, so Justin, we do appreciate yes. you sending us some feedback, but Definitely do. We, I want to make sure that we put the appropriate amount of effort in and don't want to, you know, words, skim over it. Wife needs to research. Yeah, I already have a lot of things that I do want to say about it because, as I mentioned, I've been a part of this sort of discussion, including about this topic before, and I want wife to make sure that she's comfortable. It's not just me monologuing about it. Yes, so look in for that soon, possibly even next time. Um, we also got some responses just in general with a few people emphatically saying no. We appreciate those responses too, especially because it goes down to Broderick, some wonderful and amazing and should stay forever. <laughs> right. And we also did get a, a couple likes on our most recent article that went up on the website. Yes, which is randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And that article actually was also about our Gen Con preparation. It explained one of the other decks that I had mentioned in the tournament report that I was considering playing, in this case, Stormy Cows. Yes. So many variations of cows went we, through. I literally, I think we tried everything but Druid, and that's only because we kind of ran out of time. Yeah. 
the druid flip isn't great. The, the Scourge War one, where you can discard a druid, I think it's like heal six, which is fine. I mean, it's not that much worse off than Haru when we were trying Holy Cows. Yes. Now, did it start out just because you wanted to say Holy Cows, Batman? Is that why this well, whole thing started? Batman didn't come into it, but yes, Holy Cows okay. was a, a deciding factor. And then it kind of morphed into the different things. So if you want to check out why we were... I was considering playing an Argent Crusade hero, Rimblat the Earthshaker, or Shatterer Shaker, I forget his I name, but it's really Rimblat is the funny part of the name, <laughs> which is why I like it. But the flip is actually really cool. It seems to interact well with a number of important cards in the format. His flip is remove a shaman in your graveyard from the game. It's free. Destroy an ability that is not attached to one of your cards. So basically, you get to purge an ongoing ability, which is important considering, you know, Wondervolt is an ongoing, Tuskar Kite is an ongoing, Unholy Power is an ongoing. All of these end up being deciding factors. So it seemed like it was going to work, but ultimately I decided against it. If you want to check out why, well, take a look at the term, or the uh, article rather, not the tournament report. Yes. So from there, we want to move into actually discussing a new deck that we, and by we, I mean husband has come up with, which leads us a little bit back to last week, or maybe two weeks ago, when I learned a magic term. So, this is our pants deck. The idea for this deck actually came about a year ago, or maybe more, I don't remember if it was in prep for last year's Gen Con 2016, or if it was prior to that. I feel like you were talking about it prior to that, and then we mentioned it for 2016 when we were getting ready, and then you had to play your spider. Well, yeah. I wanted to play a Nubarak, so I didn't really want to play Alliance either, which that was what reminded me of this deck's existence. To be honest with you, I think this deck was a joke. I think it was for our friend that we've mentioned before that loves... Goofy. All of the do-something All cards. the goofy stuff. So really, the origin of this deck centers around a very important lore character in WoW. So, um, playing against it, the worst character is no. Muradin. I don't know if worst, but... Okay, one of the worst is Muradin, Bronzebeard Adventurer. Um, he's a protector, he's alliance, obviously by the name of Muradin, he's a dwarf. Um, and then you get to yell for Cosmodon, and he gets plus four, plus four, smash, and no, special. No, wait, it's for Cosmodon! Sure. <laughs> and um, so that plus four, plus four, smash, and spell shield is uh, pretty badass. Yeah, he goes from a two-four protector, which is pretty mediocre, for three anyway, Yeah. into a six-eight spell shield protector with smash. Yeah, it's, um, it's super fun, especially it's a, if you're playing Mage and you decided to Mirror Image, you know, that's fun too. It's Well, <laughs> so what Wife is alluding to is we were testing some games earlier where she was playing Hans's Deathwing build, which is another Alliance deck that tries to spawn a bunch of permanents using, as she mentioned, Mirror Image, to then feed Deathwing the Destroyer and turn into the Master Hero early on. Well, I can just punch the tokens and with smash and I happen to throw Gift of the Earth Mother on it, on him so he yeah. goes from a 6-8 to 
<laughs> he, he was... Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a ten something? Or... Well, yes. Yeah. It was sad. It was so sad. It was twelve. Twelve, yeah. Yeah, a twelve fourteen. Yeah. It was, big. um, that was super fun. So, as was mentioned, Gift of the Earth Mother was one of the key components, but the origin of the deck started with Muradin. So, we wanted to do something goofy. Our friend liked these sort of cards. But, I started thinking about it, and wife and I were discussing the idea of just Spell Shield being pretty strong. Yeah, Spell Shield, um, for those of you who don't know, essentially makes everybody untargetable. Well, untargetable in a very specific way, yes. and that's what matters. So, untargetable, obviously, nobody can target it. But if you have spell shield, it means that that thing cannot be targeted by your opponents. Yes, so you can target it yourself to boost it as much as you possibly want. You cannot target it when you're trying to, I don't know, Hezrion it, do anything to give it any sort of damage and make it go away. Now, you can still punch it. Assuming... Assuming it's not elusive. So, let's get to the first card that we wanted to highlight, wife. Well, yes. maybe not the first, but... So, this is Ashenvale Illusionist. Um, it's a 1-1-1 um, with Spell Shield and Elusive. So, here's the thing. As I mentioned, the deck started kind of as a goofball thing, and the concept of wearing pants, that is, attaching things to your allies and making them bigger, making them stronger, making them more threatening, was a term that Wife had mentioned came over from magic. The inherent problem with attaching things to your guys is, well, if your opponent just removes your guy, you're giving them a two-for-one and you're on the wrong side of the deal. In this case, well, if they can't target them, or if, like, Ashenvale Illusionist, they're you elusive, attack them. well... Your stuff is pretty safe, and Classic as a whole is kind of lacking protectors. Yeah, it does pretty much seem like that. The only one we see with any regularity is Sardog. Right. Now, he is really strong, and basically every Warlock deck is running it, but, I mean, do you even remember? I don't think... I mean, the Cow decks were running Doshura, but yeah. it, protectors are kind of few and far between. Yeah, except for your spider. Yeah. Anubarak's kind of a big deal, of. which he is a big protector. So, basically the idea was, hey, this card from Rain, which may be why it never really stuck in my head, because there's still a lot of that set, at least for us, that is unexplored, just because, it, well, it's really hard to find now. It's hard to find, and it's like PTSD of back-to-bad memories of it going away forever. True. So, it's a common from... Reign of Fire, and many people may not have access to it, may not even know it existed. So, bottom line is that this particular card is ripe for <laughs> for this sort of strategy. So, it the next step became, well, what other valuable spell shield allies are there? So, and I have called him 85 different names today, so I'll try to say it correctly. This is Lord... Kurtalos Ravencrest. I don't know if it's Kurtalos. I've never heard it in-game. Like, we stopped playing WoW before I heard it. Um, I've been calling him Lord Kurt, so we'll just go with that. When um, have you called him that? I called him that before, and then I called him Kurt Kakofos Ravencrest. I don't um, remember either of those things happening. Wow. 
don't pay attention. He is a three cost, one attack, five health with spell shield, and he has plus attack equal to the combined cost of other allies you control. Now, you may remember this guy because he, alongside Garrosh, were some of the first textless cards, and Medivh the Prophet, and a couple others, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, I never really liked the textless cards because I like having the text. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you play with the card all the time, you know what it does, but at the same time, there's invariably an edge case where it's like, okay, does it actually say target, or were we always assuming it said target, or... Does it do, is it an, a may, or is it not a may? Or, or if is you it, have an opponent who doesn't know what the card does, it's another issue. Exactly. So, that aside, this guy can get out of control super fast. Yeah, as we've learned throughout this. So, um, all you gotta do is play a bunch of little guys, or play Murden, or play our other new friend, Jared Shadowsong. That one I think I can. Um, he's four cost, six, one health with elusive spell shield and stealth. So that Sardok that I thought was gonna save my life did nothing. So real quick aside, wife, does that name sound familiar to you at all? Um, wasn't he a player? No, he is related in the lore to Maiev. Oh hey. My I shadow song. That. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's her brother. Um, yeah. Yep, the brother of my shadow song came into his own as respected leader during the War of the Ancients. What gave that away? I'm gonna go with probably the worst flavor text of the game. <laughs> I don't know about that. There's some pretty bad flavor text in some. But anyway, uh, the Shadow Song family apparently you can't touch them. They can get through protectors, and you can't target them. Right. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Although, now that I'm looking at it, uh, Maya, the original, has untargetable because spell shield didn't exist yet, whereas Warden Maya, the new version, has spell shield. Yeah. So, so, in any case, neither of those are in the deck, but Jared is because hitting for 6 or 12 with a Gift of the Earth Mother... Or if you put Mark of Restoration on him and you're healing your entire board, well, except for him, for eight a turn. Yeah. Seems pretty strong. So while the deck was cute, it, the early iterations had problems, as you would imagine, with opposing aggressive builds because the bodies are a little bit weaker because a 1-1 one, one for one is naturally not as good as, say, a 3-2 for one. Yeah. Um, we did have a little bit more luck with uh, some of our more aggressive, quick builds, but anything that took a while, correct me if I'm wrong, husband, but the, the numbers didn't go their way very often. Yeah, it, uh, anything, basically, if you were playing control deck, and I slammed down a bunch of untargetable guys, it immediately ratchets down your available options, as you would imagine. So... When one of those untargetable guys suddenly turns into a 12 power ally. That's when you just want to reach across the table and say GG. Yeah, you, you flip the table and hope when you reset. <laughs> so the deck ended up getting tweaked and tweaked. And what we settled on, and this is a topic for another day, but one of the opinions that wife and I share is that hero flips are hugely important in classic. 
Yeah. So wife loves Bogmara. Yes. But the enabler in the deck is what? So the enabler in that deck is really Bogmara's flip because she flips, pings you for one shadow damage, and then all the Nolans. And comparatively, the Emic build that I played enables the Anubarak plays because, hey, I don't care if I pitch Anubarak or, well, Broderick's if I have to or whatever. Tyrus's flip. He makes you discard all the cards. Right. And the... when, with, when you have a lot of little... Tiny demons running around, he makes you discard <laughs> not so tiny all demons. the cards. <laughs> Depending on whether our holy powers are play, may or may not be tiny demons. <laughs> yeah. But point is, and again, this is a discussion for another day because I think it's a worthwhile topic, that hero flips in classic are very important. If you do not use a flip, you're essentially minus one card because your flip is a free card in your, air quotes, hand at the start of the game. Yeah. And some of those flips, some of those cards, really change everything around. Exactly. Now, to, to completely shoot holes in what we just discussed, the hero that we're using, although the flip is obviously, you can do it, it's not useless, but it's not very strong. Yeah. So, so the hero that we're using is Mythen of the Wild, who you pay two to flip, uh, heals two damage from target hero or ally for each quest you have. I Which, mean, it's not... It's not the end of the world? It, yeah, it, I mean, it's fine, but that's all it is, is fine, because je obviously you want to be completing your quest. This deck slants towards aggression. You're going to be playing stuff out, so then you want to complete your quest to refill. It's cheap, so it's fine, but really the whole point of it is you need a Resto Druid. Yeah. In order to play Gift of the Earth Mother, which, as you would imagine, is super important in this build. But yeah, one of the other super important things is one of the crafted cards that is another part of the origin for this deck and why it exists. So when we were discussing not too long ago the Broderick <laughs> argument, mm -hmm. debate, whatever you want to call it, part of the genesis for that was that allegedly Alliance doesn't have anything to offer. So I wanted to try and wife wanted to try and find ways that the blue team can participate. Well, the whole idea of spell shield and elusive tends to skew Alliance for the most part. Yeah. Well, what ties in with things that if you can't attack my guys and you can't target my guys. Hey, let's try to make that happen for my hero too. So that gives us the Boots of Utter Darkness. Um, you need leather working. Um, when you control an ability, your hero is untargetable. When you control... Oh, so if you've boosted your allies. Um, when you control an ally, your hero is elusive. Um, with a deck full of allies, that's super fun to play against. While you control a weapon, your hero has stealth. That is luckily the only thing that we had not going for it, but the other two make it pretty hard to go against. Yeah, that one's whatever. Yeah. But, as you, as wife had detailed before, you play a turn one Ashen Veil Illusionist, play a turn two Boots of Utter Darkness, and honestly, you may just win on the spot with a soft lock, because if your opponent isn't main decking away to either remove equipment, which aren't that common. So aside from Death Wish, which, although it's obviously running a lot of equipment, a not insignificant number of them are armor, and they're relying on the card actually Death Wish 
to potentially close the game out or, you know, a late game gin rock or something, at which point if they swing with it, it's probably literally ending the game on the spot. So maybe your strategy is unpreventable damage or just overwhelming their armor, that sort of thing. Maybe you're not literally playing cards that destroy equipment. So if you can't answer the boots main deck and you don't have AOE main deck, you may just straight up lose to a two-card combo that comes down by turn two. Yeah, I had dropped Deathwing. Couldn't do anything. Super fun. I mean, eventually, if you hadn't already taken a bunch of damage, you would have got there because it would have blown it up. But you had a long time before that was going to happen, and Jared's Shadow Song came down or was already on the board. Ravencrest was already on the board. Maybe a Gift of the Earth Mother, obviously, the Illusionist. And they were chipping you down or swinging for the fences. So, Boots of Utter Darkness is one of those cards that possibly enables Alliance archetypes. Because, yes, there are elusive allies or untargetable allies or spell shield allies on the Horde side, but they aren't as numerous as they are flying the Alliance flag. Yeah, it definitely, I think, gives a major boost to your Alliance guys, and I I think it made a really nice, neat, and tidy theme, too. Exactly, and while I love tribal decks, I just love theme things in general where it's like, I'm building this deck. Well, what does it do? It does this thing, and it's based around this keyword or something. It it feels different than, say, the Wondervolt deck, which, yes, that's obviously built around a theme. The theme is, I'm going to make a hundred gazillion trillion fish people <laughs> and yeah. eat your face. <laughs> that's one way to put it, yeah. But it feels different when it's a tribal deck or it's and this is almost entirely night elves so yeah, i was heavily considering I didn't even notice that while we we're playing but now that you're saying it yeah the vast majority of them are night elves i mean lady bancroft is not but she still fits the theme yeah, uh by make... not but he's just ham now in reality he'll probably get cut if this deck becomes for real yeah which honestly the more i play it the more i want to try and do it because Things as simple as Tuskar Kite activating the untargetability from Boots of Utter Darkness, meaning your opponent can't make you discard. Yeah, it was so annoying. Your opponent can't target you with Taste of the Arcana. You know, all these fringe case things, maybe not fringe because all those things are in common played decks, but it addresses stuff in a proactive way because you're going to be playing allies. These are threatening allies. And you're locking your opponent out of a lot of their answers. And it's performing relatively well against the field so far. Yeah. I mean, we haven't played a ton of games. We haven't played a ton, but we have been trying to vary what we've been playing. So um, against Tyrus, it did pretty well. Runum, which isn't even in most Tyrus decks. Yeah, a lot of them. Um, the discard heavy ones seem to issue a lot of the the pets and but he was really my only answer to get rid of gift of the earth mother um and that was the only thing that kept me alive for the only game of that that i won yeah i mean swinging turning a your turn one 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 into a seven seven that can't be attacked and can't be targeted puts a lot of pressure on your opponent yeah um so that's definitely something that needs to be dealt with and then for Mage, like I said, when I was trying to play Hans's Deathwing deck um, and just going for the Mage route, it didn't go so well either. Yeah, the we did test against the Emic list that I played, and it was doing pretty decent. 
Uh, it really came down to whether I could punch through in a Nubarak or whether wife had an appropriate amount of death of years or things like that. Yeah. It seemed pretty even, really. Yeah, that one seemed probably the most even and of all of them. Post-board, the priest deck gets access to, say, miniature voodoo mask, which could deal with the boots. Mm-hmm. But pre-board, it's a potential problem because you have Mist of Corrosion, and that's basically it. Yeah, um, and if I had ever drawn that, it would have been so nice. Um, we imagine, we haven't tested it yet, but I would imagine it's going to do pretty well against uh, slow because it's going to present some very difficult-to-answer threats. Yeah. Assuming and, you can get in under the counter wall. Yeah, and not targeting things is definitely hard. Um, we also played against Vorix, and Vorix did pretty terrible except for like that one perfect hand that you always <laughs> want to draw. That was the only time I had a chance, and I think even then it was down within the, like I think those were... That over the long haul, I would expect that rogues would do well because, well, they have a tons of an- tons of answers to equipment. The abilities are going to be a problem, but Poison the Well doesn't care if your guy, your your one cost guy, is now a thirteen thirteen with two gift of the Earth Mothers because it only cares that it's one cost. Yeah. Carnage oh. wipes out, I think, literally every ally in the deck. Mm-hmm. So. I expect over the long haul that we're going to see the rogue decks perform better against it, but we got to play it more. Yeah, and can we talk about probably the most annoying thing is that you can't tap down their team. Yeah, you can't eye the storm their guys because guess what? Most of them are untargetable. Yeah, that was probably the most annoying thing hands down for all of the decks, because I think all of the decks run Eye of the Storm. All the ones you played were, were running Eye um, of the Storm, I think, so... And that was that was super frustrating, too. So one thing that I wanted to point out, and I was happy that Wife wanted to talk about this deck, was that there was some discussion that she pointed out to me about looking at modifying the existing rules. So currently... The newer heroes, basically when Cryptozoic removed the professions from the hero cards, the newer heroes straight up cannot play profession cards. So Boots of Utter Darkness cannot be run by any of the newer stuff. Yeah. That being said, there, I think it's worth looking into, although we'd have to be very careful as a community, whether we want to allow the newer heroes or modify the rules. So one of the cutovers from Cryptozoic... The old talents used to say Beast Mastery Hero Required, Restoration Hero Required, Holy Hero Required. The new ones are, they say talent on them, and they say in the, the ruling that you cannot include other talents in your deck. So it's worded differently. So the suggestion yeah. is, well, make the professions the same way. You can have up to two professions, or just like the reputations. You can have this reputation and no others. You can have this profession or two professions and no others in your deck. I think that's a cool idea. I brought it up myself as well. It's just there's the potential that there's something people aren't seeing yet. Because originally I wanted to play this deck with Wild Seal, Wild Seer Varel, who's a Worgen Druid. that five times fast. Yeah, exactly. So his flip is, and as we discussed, flips being important, is pay four on your turn, flip Varel, search your deck for an attachment, 
reveal it, put it in your hand. So it's like, okay, I don't have anything to turn my little guy into a big guy. I'm going to go get Gift of the Earth Mother, slam it onto my guy the next turn, and start smashing. So that would be great, but I don't want to give up Boots of Utter Darkness. Mm-hmm. Now, that is, there's, that's actually an argument, and I don't know how you feel about this, wife, because I don't think we've really talked about this, but it might be an argument to not change the rules, because then there is a decision point in the deck building to say, well, I want a profession, but the hero flip sucks. Well, it doesn't suck, but it's not as good. Yeah. So do I go with the, air quotes, weaker hero to get the profession, or do I go with the, air quotes, stronger hero and lose the profession? It, it makes me nervous changing it up just because, obviously, there could be things that we've never seen before, and mm-hmm. um, it may just change the whole the whole meta of the game, and that would be something I'd be nervous about. Now, I do think it's something that casually people could play around with to see how it goes. Definitely. Um, and definitely if you do, if you're feeling up to it, uh, let us know how that works, because... Yeah, if, you're, if you've tried this or you have thoughts on it, definitely chime in, email us, or, you know, post in the, on Reddit or post on the Facebook group. We'd love to have feedback about it, because I, I think it's a cool idea. It's, it's an interesting idea. It makes me a little trepidatious, but it's an interesting idea. It's something, as I mentioned, I've suggested before, wife and I have discussed, we just haven't really talked ourselves about, you know, what are the ramifications of this? I would tend toward the more conservative side of any of the existing cards. So Mythen of the Wild is a leatherworking and skinning hero. It's a restoration night elf druid. Okay. That means that if you play Mythen, that's what the card does. Always, like, don't errata those cards. Yeah. But maybe allow the rules, like, change the wording on... To encompass some of the newer ones that don't have that. Because to my knowledge, the... When the talents changed over, it retroactively applied to all of the old talents, even though they literally said fire hero required or whatever the case may be. So it's something that I think is a really cool idea. It's worth exploring. But I, I don't know, wife. I have a hard time imagining this opening a can of worms because in general, yes, there are strong flips. We just talked about it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about it on another podcast. But... They aren't, and I hate to put this out there on a recording, but it's hard to, like, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that, hey, now you have Boots of Utter Darkness, or Bulwark of the Ancient Kings, or arbitrary card that was profession-related that is suddenly now, the game snapped in half. Yeah, um, I can't think of anything, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist, and... That's what makes me a little nervous. Um, and it, it could make it easier for um, decks and heroes and things that we don't see very often because of these sorts of issues to come out of the woodwork and maybe give us another boost for new deck types. I, however, am still a little nervous about it. I mean, one of the first things that I had noticed when I first started playing the game was that not all of the race, profession, and talent, and class combinations existed. 
and it would have taken forever based on the original model of this class with this race and this spec and these specific two professions and then changing all the different permutations mm -hmm. and combinations of all that it would take a year and a, you know obviously more than a year and a day a lot of years to be able to get them all out when they cut over to the newer structure it it's a lot cleaner it makes a lot more sense it would have been great if it was in from the beginning but can't have everything the issue is that well i mean we kind of outlined it all it, it's an unknown and we don't i don't know if it's more or less confusing if we're talking about trying to get more people to play i have seen questions on the reddit before of like well how do professions work with the new heroes well the answer is they don't yeah <laughs> they they just straight up don't and <laughs> that's go away forever that's kind of unfortunate because you still now have you will forever have this problem of if there's a specific race class profession combo that you want mm -hmm. it may not exist i don't know off the top of my head what that you know i can't no. give you an example but it yeah. may it may just straight up not exist now that being said i have personally always found the professions especially to be a little derpy um i understand the <laughs> little wise of awkwardly it it's implemented. just yeah it's it's an awkward implementation it kind of seemed like an afterthought of oh hey our characters in the mmo have have professions let's add them into the game that always kind of bugged me especially for things like the boots like you could buy boots yeah but these are the boots of utter darkness i could buy those that's like all the darkness all the darkness put all. together like they're black hole boots well let's not go too far away now, <laughs> now you're just being ridiculous. they're sucking all light and matter into now you, the you, boots. you've crossed over the <laughs> threshold of you made a joke and now it's like it's dead now. You're beating the dead horse. Yeah, but now I'm imagining black hole boots, so I'm happy in that. I feel like that. My mind. I feel like that may actually be an equipment in the game. Like I'm confident that there is. <laughs> I want to go wow wiki this now to see if <laughs> there is an item called black hole boots. Oh uh, no! Yeah, we do. Anyway, that up. anyway, we digress. So that is the pants deck, or what we're calling the pants deck. We'll probably get the. Uh, list up onto the website at some point. Randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. If you have any questions or anything, feel free to shoot us an email. Randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Or feel free to post it on Reddit or in the Facebook group. We'd love to hear people's thoughts or how you would build the deck. While we went for a blue resto druid, you could run it in red, and there's plenty of things on that side, including a torrent hero that will reveal the top four and let you search for uh, attachments there. There's also an ally, Yanami, that costs three. It's a one-five that when you attach an ability to a hero or an ally, draw a card. Now, honestly, I've been trying to figure out how to make that work in Affliction Warlock because it doesn't necessarily have to be a buff. Yeah. So all of your curses now turn have draw a card stapled on, but that's, again, that's for another day. For another day. So we're going to move into our next section, which is actually going to be our build-around, which you might have thought was going to be the pants deck, but we actually want to discuss a different card. We want to discuss that cute, adorable Chromie. Sure we do. So, for some Chromie lore, um, she is a bronze dragonkin. She generally looks like a gnome. 
And she is a three cost one one that when you deal when Chromie deals combat damage to a defending hero, you may shuffle her into your deck if you do take an extra turn after this one. So Chromie was a card that I don't remember if I was trying to build a list around her in the airport on the way to Gen Con or in the airport on the way home. It was on Gen the way Con. home. That sounds right, but it was kind of blurring together after that weekend. So one of the comments that came up over the summer for or in the Facebook group was talking about combo decks. Now, obviously, Wondervolt is the, mm. the main culprit here, but I wanted to see, well, is there any other way to go infinite? Are there any other cool combos that can end the game on the spot? And Chromie, well, taking infinite turns sounds like it could be fun. Yeah, I... Turn, 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 yeah. Especially if you exhaust all their protectors, if they have any, and they can't ready again, because you have more turns. Yeah, so the the problem with Chromie is relatively obvious. She's tiny, she doesn't have inherent ferocity, and she shuffles back into your deck, which is really the biggest limitation. So yeah. you have Scimitar of Soraka, which is an obvious way to give it ferocity. It's the plate wearer sword with artifact and whenever you swing with it or maybe it's when you do damage whenever you strike with this weapon allies you control that ferocity so if you can get that out ahead of time basically turn five you so turn four you play scimitar turn five you play chromie swing with the scimitar chromie goes in you get a free turn yeah um i think that's a possibility well, what other suggestions do you have, wife? On my end, I was thinking of things that let you tutor for allies. So we have Medivh, we have Portal. Um, summoning Portal. Summoning Portal. Um, Which these... actually, the last option goes well with Medivh, considering Medivh. Now, we're talking about Medivh the Corrupted, not Medivh the Prophet. So yeah. Medivh the Corrupted is the Alliance Warlock hero. Once Medivh turns into a jerk. Yeah, basically. <laughs> So that one, in case you're not familiar with it, his first flip is pay one, look at your opponent's hand. And then the second one is once per game, pay six, search your deck for an ally, reveal it, put it into your hand. Yeah, so um, I think it goes pretty well to play Chromie, get her, give her ferocity, um, attack with her, shuffle her into your deck, use Medivh's power to, in, during your next turn, and then get her back, do all the attacking again, well, the and obvious go limit forever. Well, the obvious limitation there is it will require nine resources to do that, because it's, it's six tutor. for the tutor and then three for her. Uh, that being said, summoning portal only costs two. There's nether vision, which only costs one, and lets you look at the top five cards of your deck and get an ally. Warlock has a lot of ways to go through your deck which is kind of where I was going with it in the, the napkin version of the list. So I wanted to run Feltrade, because you could very easily Feltrade her directly into play. That would be pretty sweet. Um, obviously, you get all the tutors that we just mentioned, and there are a number of other ways. Now, here's the problem. Medivh can't use Scimitar. Yes, that is the biggest issue. Medivh also can't use all of those nice horde things such as lust for battle into the fray or 
a number of other cards that give your allies ferocity. In fact, the Alliance have a <laughs> exceedingly few, bordering on zero ways to give their guys ferocity. Yeah, that is definitely a downside. I was just trying to daydream of all the ways to get Crummy back infinitely and forever. Right. I mean, you're not completely out of options if you went Hunter. You could get Wild Fervor. So it costs two, you give an ally Assault 2, Ferocity, and Long Range. You don't really care about two of those three things, but the Ferocity is important. Uh, Bestial Instinct could be used by Medivh because it doesn't require any class. And whenever a Hunter ally comes in, you can give another... Uh, well, it comes in under a friendly player's control, but we're talking about regular games, not raids. You can give an ally Ferocity... You could use, if you want Shaman, you could use Gale Force. <laughs> Honestly, all of these feel super janky. Yeah, they do feel, it does feel a little janky. It feels like it's probably not going to happen as often as you want it to happen. Exactly. Which is the usual way with this sort of deck. Now, if you switch over to Horde, you could still go Warlock. Now, you yeah. lose the Medivh flip, but you get those Horde options that we were talking about. Uh, unfortunately, you can't do this. <laughs> One of the things I was hoping, and because the airport story matters, because I was doing this all from memory. Yeah, and things got a lot more ridiculous than so, they actually are. So, similar to what happened with the portal deck, I couldn't remember the exact text of Famish the Binder, which is, his flip is pay three, destroy three horde allies in your party to flip them face down. While he's face down, your horde allies gain ferocity. Well, since I was in the airport and didn't have the card in front of me, I thought it was all your allies gained ferocity. And I was like, oh my god, Comey is busted now. She has ferocity forever. Now I just got to figure out how to tutor for her. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. No. But you could run Boom the Bloodseeker. And then every time you play Krumi, you can go Boom. You just wanted to do that, didn't you? Maybe. (laughs) Now, again, her flip costs three, so it's then six resources. But... Still, you get a free Ferocity, plus the other options, maybe there's something workable there, kind of. And maybe you already have a bunch of things on the board that can attack, she said, hopefully. Well, that's the other problem, is great, you're taking a whole bunch of turns, what are you doing with them? Yeah. I don't know, I really, really, really wanted to do some sort of infinite turn thing, and I'm having difficulty putting it together. I, I don't know if it's there, but we wanted to talk about it because the idea is fun. Yeah, the idea of attacking forever is, is it's an amusing thought. It's definitely worth exploring. Um, and if you guys have any ideas on how to explore it, how to make Chromie bust a move, <laughs> we will definitely love to hear about it. Now, the <laughs> tied to this... Just to give you a preview of maybe a future build around is Nazdormu the Timeless. So it's a master hero that makes target players skip their turn when you become Nazdormu. So I really wanted to build a harmonized combo deck to dump a bunch of allies into play. And this was, again, another alliance build because you get access to Jaina, who's sort of harmonized, but not quite. And she's, but she's better in general, I guess, than mm-hmm. most of the harmonized guys. But anyway, idea was you harmonize out a bunch of guys and then turn into Nazdormu. And then, hey, now I get to attack with all those guys before you get to react. 
forever and ever. Well, I mean, you don't get infinite turns, but if you I have, like, a million guys out, you don't need infinite turns. Yeah. They're just dead. Yeah. But, again, that's for a different build around. So, we're going to close this one out. Uh, one, last point that I wanted to bring up, wife. Mm -hmm. So we did get more comments than we usually do, both about the podcast and the article and responses. And I'll be honest, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what we did different. I think we take people off by saying we might take, like, possibility of taking away Broderick personally. Yeah, I don't know if it was, you know, the clickbaity title of are we going to ban Broderick? Or if people just love the debates because banning and that sort of thing is something that gets people interested and that naturally is controversial. So if people want to hear more controversial things like that, if we want to discuss other bands or unbanning things... Or, or if you just want to hear us argue, we're both Italian, we can handle it. Exactly. So let us know what you'd like to hear more about. Like I said, we've got some likes on the article. And don't get, it, don't get me wrong, I think everything we do is great. But... Yeah, sure you do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite grok why this particular thing garnered the responses it did versus other stuff. So tell us what to do. We love responses. We love direction. Among the, the things, if you want to... We're going to throw some ideas out here real quick. We were talking about maybe doing some podcasts and videos on Lazy Peon, which if you're not familiar with it, is a format that only allows commons and uncommons. And that could be really good for our introductory players. Exactly. We uh, want to obviously talk about the monk cards. We want to discuss hero flips and how impactful they are and maybe some specific ones. We have our ongoing build around. We want to talk about the actual other list from Gen Con, which if you haven't posted your list in the group, please do it. Post your list, post your list, post your list. Yeah, because we, uh, I would love to talk about that stuff. I know wife wants to. Uh, we... Obviously, anytime any of our listeners or readers on the website chime in, we want to talk about those. And we have a laundry list of other things. Wife, is there anything you want to mention specifically? Um, well, we do have a new exciting thing that we have yet to explore, but we have a new online group. Um, you can find links to them in the uh, WoW TCG Facebook and on Reddit. Yep, they um, do post there on Reddit. There are some raid events that go on relatively regularly. And they're also trying to get, or maybe have already started, a PvP ladder, a.k.a. quote-unquote yeah. regular games. So um, we are hoping to explore that ourselves in the near future. Um, just hoping that life doesn't get in the way so that can really happen. If one of those guys happens to be a listener, we're going to... Basically, we're going to try and reach out to you. Maybe we can do an interview at some point. We would love to. Um, and... Those are our main things that we have coming on now, coming up, um, and more talking about Alliance and other cards that maybe haven't gotten the love and attention. So we're going to move into Off Topic. Ready, set, go. And we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be monologuing this one for the most part. I mean, so. I, can, I can chime in with the pretty pictures. Because you're so pretty, wife. That wasn't what I meant, and brownie points will work. Yep. See, <laughs> I'm not stupid. All if right. you're out there, remember, happy wife. So, anyway, today we're going to talk about another digital card game, Hand of the Gods. 
So in this game, husband, because wife has yet to play it, plays as various pantheons of gods fighting against each other in a TCG. Does that seem like a pretty good explanation for it? Yeah, there's some other historical details that you might want to throw in aside from the obvious mythology. Is So this game is based on a MOBA, which if you played Dota, you played League, this is Smite, which is actually a third-person shooter MOBA, sort of, and their gimmick, instead of being arbitrarily made up fantasy characters or sci-fi characters or whatever characters, is that you play as mythological gods and demigods. You could be... Except for one glaring exception. Who? The Hindu gods. Well, I actually... So I've only played Smite briefly, and I don't know what pantheons they okay. go into. Uh, but they just introduced, as of a couple days ago, the Hindu pantheon into the card game. I don't know if they're actually in the MOBA or not. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you're having Ares going and punching Sobek. And then you have... Or really interestingly, Ares punching Mars, because they do divide Greek and Roman. Which was odd, and I'm not sure what their long-term game plan is for how many pantheons they're going to bring in. As of right now, it's, as mentioned, the Hindu pantheon, Greeks and Romans, which are... are two separate. Which, for both wife and I, who grew up on reading a lot of Greek, Greco-Roman mythology, it's bizarre. And if you're yeah. familiar with it, you probably understand what we're talking about. It's kind of like Rick Riordan comes to life. And if you haven't read the Rick Riordan books, please do. So, there's those three. There's the Egyptian pantheon. There's the Mayan pantheon. And... Norse. And the Norse. Don't North forget Red. my Vikings. So, in this game, it's a digital card game, and similar to Duelist, it's played on a board. So it's a 9 by 5 board, I believe, and your hero, air quotes, is your summoning stone, which is a stationary 25 health object in the game. Obviously, the goal is to defeat your opponent by destroying their summoning stone. When you play allies, and I honestly, off the top of my head, I don't remember what they're called in the game... They can only be played in the eight spaces around your summoning stone. So picture a three-by-three three grid, your summoning stone's in the middle. They can only go there. Obviously, there's a couple keywords or specific ones that can be played all over the board. And all of them can move three spaces a turn, except for ranged units, which can only move two. But as you can imagine, they can shoot and not get hit back unless it's a ranged guy. You have a variety of spells. You have your hero powers that... As per the digital card game standard, cost two, and they refresh every turn. Each of them are unique, so Odin will summon a 1-1 Cursed Warrior with Ferocity. In that game, I think it's called Charge, but it's basically the same idea. Uh, Apuk, the Mayan god, will summon a 1-1 zombie anywhere on the board, but the zombies can only move one space a turn compared to the regular three-space movement. Uh... And there are a number of other abilities that obviously try and tie to both the mythology and the faction as well. So similar to Hearthstone, everything's broken up by faction or class or however you want to look at it. So you can't play certain, say, Roman gods in a Mayan build. But there are some that are considered neutral and then could be played by all the factions. So, for example... Apollo is a Greek god, 
and as you would imagine, could only be played in a Greek deck. And he's very full of himself, as you expect Apollo to be. Yes, and they, they did a great... Although the game is in beta and you can pick it up on Steam right now, or I believe they have a standalone client, it does have a, a great amount of polish. So there is a lot of temp art on the cards themselves, but they're in-game 3D models, and they all have sound effects, and they all sound really cool. As you'd imagine, being a beta, there's bugs, but they're already running a tournament series, and they have a world championships planned. And this is what matters to me, because if we haven't mentioned it before, I'm a history dork. I love all ancient cultures, especially those that are no longer with us. And they really paid attention. And this is coming from just watching husband play. They really paid attention to how the gods are in myth and characters. You just like it because they sound like the characters in some of your books. No, 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 no. I like them because they sound how I always imagined some of the gods to sound like. Now, I don't know if the sounds are literally ripped from Smite the MOBA, and it could be why they've had so much of this refined, but the game does not look like it's it just showed up yesterday kind yes. of thing. The game's pretty polished. It's pretty fun. It's also unique because of the fact that, again, it's using ancient mythology, which to me is really cool. So you have your different ally types. So right now it's they're nothing. They're just a guy. There's beasts. So picture the Hydra or picture... Uh, the Nemean Lion, or things along those lines. They'll have the Beast tag, and then obviously things will interact with beasts. Then there's the God tag, which is the Apollos that we mentioned. Poseidon, who is, turns your hero power into summoning the Kraken. Yeah. And if that sounds at all exciting to you, you may want to check this game out. So again, the, the game is called Hand of the Gods. It's produced by Hi-Rez Studios, the company who make Smite the MOBA, and you can find it just by Googling them, but if you look on Steam, you'll find it on there. It's a free-to-play card game. It actually seems pretty generous. I've been running through their version of Arena. It's called Thunderdome, which is, aside from the, the sound effects and the visuals, like some of the names and stuff are really cool. Yeah. So it's fun playing that, drafting it, getting familiar with all the different cards, and you see a lot of different things. I love Constructed more than Limited, but this is a good way to both accrue currency in-game, get familiar with the cards, learn to play, that sort of thing. And it's it's cool to jump in on the ground floor. Plus, they also have a clan system so that you can join a clan, and then there are monthly clan quests. So you have your daily quests like every other digital game and every other mobile game. But there are clan quests where if all of you achieve X number of ranked wins or and X number of arena wins or whatever, then you all get a set number of packs, which is a cool way to kind of build the community where, yeah, you the ladder climb can be a grind, but if it's, oh, well, our clan just needs 15 more wins, I'll pitch, you know, I'll play a few games, try and pitch in a few wins, and then at the end of the season, we all get five packs. Like, that's pretty cool. It's a fun way to build teamwork. Exactly. But it, it is a shrewd way or, or shrewd method on their part to create a more cohesive community where when people have a flag that they can carry, that sort of thing, people become more invested. That's why old game, old computer games like StarCraft and WarCraft would 
have in-game clans because it's like, oh, well, we'll have a clan war and be like, all right, everybody meet on Saturday at such and such a time and we're going to play a bunch of games. And then, you know, you get people with friendly trash talk and that sort of thing and it makes it a more fun experience overall. Mm-hmm. But anyway, again, the, the game is called Hand of the Gods. Hope you'll check it out. Please tune in next time, Random Thoughts Episode 14, for some more discussion between husband and wife. So signing off, I'm a husband. I'm wife. And keep listening. Hi, everyone. If you like the show, and if you want to see some of our deck lists written out or some of our other thoughts about the game, please visit us at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Again, that's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.